0: Thunderclaps, and the downpour that followed. As the rain soaked through her clothes, she was too scared to move. All she could do was stand there and watch the BMW drive away. Part One Chapter One Present Day On any given day, the ten separate jails that make up New York City's Rikers Island Correctional Facility hold between fifteen and 18,000 inmates, making it the world's largest penal colony. Of those inmates, some 3,000 are classified as mentally ill. That whopping number makes Rikers one of the largest mental institutions in the United States and the best place for a budding forensic psychiatrist like Claire Waters to study the criminal mind. Claire had worked toward this day for over a decade. After breezing through four years of medical school at Harvard, she completed an internship and residency in psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital, considered one of the best and most selective programs in the country. She went on to a prestigious research position at the National Institutes of Health because she wanted to dissect and study the brains of criminals. But slicing through gray matter and staining slides of neurons every day for three years didn't give her the answers she was looking for. She knew she had to see patients again. Now she was about to begin the last stage of her training, a fellowship in forensic psychiatry, where she'd treat some of the sickest and most twisted minds humanity could imagine. Most days, Claire was a master at hiding in plain sight, She wore her shoulder-length dark brown hair straight, the bangs just long enough to veil questioning green eyes. She never wore lipstick, eyeshadow, or blush, anything that might call attention to her beauty. On the subway, at Starbucks, or just walking down the street, she blended in. But today was different. Instead of her usual soft, well-worn jeans and comfortable, familiar flats... She wore a new olive-green Diane von Furstenberg suit and black Louboutin pumps, neither of which she could afford. The heels protruding from those trademark red soles made a staccato click-clack on the mottled concrete floor of Riker's Island, reverberating against the muddy brown cinderblock walls, each step reminding her that there was nowhere to hide. Claire felt miserable in her wool suit. What had she been thinking when she bought it? July in New York City was always sticky hot, and the air inside the narrow corridor leading to the cell block was thick with the stench of men who desperately needed a shower. Claire wore this costume to impress the director of her program, Dr. Paul Curtin, who, despite the oppressive heat, looked remarkably cool in his blue pinstriped Armani suit as he walked beside her. In his mid-fifties, Curtin drew attention with his wavy, silver hair and slate-blue eyes. Claire herself was taller than average at 5'7", not including the heels she wore, but Curtin towered over her with his well-built 6'2 frame. He was watching her every move, which only made things worse because she almost always was nervous before the first interview with the new patient. She tried to focus on the case file he'd given her, but her hair was a liability today swinging into her face and obstructing her view. She was a runner, trim and in great shape, but she struggled to keep up with the man who made sure to tell her that he was a triathlete who ran the New York City Marathon every year. I'd like to see him walk in these ridiculous shoes and read at the same time, she thought. His name is Todd Quimby, Curtin said, his voice coming from a half foot above her head. Ten months into a one-year sentence for forcible touching. What did he do? Claire asked, thumbing through the file. She was increasingly anxious with each step, but was determined not to show it. He gave me Quimby's file only moments before our session because he wants to know right off the bat if I've got the chops, Claire thought. He pulled his pants down in front of a bunch of secretaries. In their office? At a diner, they just ordered a plate of mozzarella sticks when Quimby served up his own. That's indecent exposure, not touching, said Claire. Weenie-waving is called public lewdness in New York State, Dr. Waters. Mr. Quimby crossed the line when one of the ladies pointed out the...